2: Now, this is cool. I got to do a roundtable discussion with some of the biggest names on the internet. If you're familiar with the internet, or at least the world of online conversation, I don't know, and the culture wars there and the discussions around free speech, then you'll know at least some of these people. There's Coleman Hughes. Check out his Conversations with Coleman podcast. He is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute for Policy Research. He is of African-American descent and is often found speaking quite sensibly and also quite controversially about the culture wars for example he formally accepted the premise of black lives matter because racist cops are killing unarmed black people but now believes the existence of racial bias and deadly shootings does not survive scrutiny once factors other than race are taken into account he voted for biden so someone who is able to see both sides i think of the culture wars and is able to change their mind and move around with that and i love that in uh, Coleman, And he's appeared a couple of times in the Joe Rogan podcast as well. Then there's Viva Fry, again, one of the biggest names on the internet, David Fry. Hi, he goes by Viva Fry online. Have a look at his Viva Fry YouTube channel. He has more than half a million subscribers. He's a Canadian lawyer, living and working in the US, and very much a free speech activist. We also have Texan journalist Ivory Hecker, who quit her local Fox News channel. It wasn't like a right-wing Fox channel. The local ones are more sort of down the middle. But because she was being told what she could and couldn't say So she again is perfect for a chat about free speech We also talk about Elon Musk and Twitter and Kanye West and more And halfway through we are joined by lawyer Robert Barnes Who represented Wesley Snipes the actor And Alex Jones the crazed news presenter from InfoWars These are in my opinion brilliant and experienced minds That are perfect for discussing the importance of free speech Even or especially when you don't like what's being said. And I owe producer Ash Meikle big time for putting this together as it originally went out a couple of days ago on the Sean Atwood channel. So do go subscribe to Sean, give him some support uh, if you want to help him and these lovely people because they are really... People I love, I must say, support this podcast, this very podcast on the Edge with Andrew Gold, by letting your friends know about it and all that stuff. Just you know, every every week, tell a couple of people. Why not? That will help me a lot. Um, or maybe don't keep it to yourselves, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, but also by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, that's a huge help. Um, you won't agree with everything said today, and that's sort of the point. These are all free speech advocates, so we didn't necessarily look at the other side too much. But I do think it was a very good chat, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I got. To to play you know the role of host in that sense and uh, moderator and that was very enjoyable um, and I guess you guys will let me know if it makes for a good episode. Coming up are episodes about the scariest cults of all time and AJ Jacobs a man who lived like the Bible for a year but now you're on the edge of free speech with Coleman Hughes, Viva Fry, Ivory Hecker and Robert Barnes. We are. We all here. We're, well, we're not all here yet, but uh, it's most. It's most of us, isn't it? We can get going. We're going to be talking about uh, Elon Musk. I was going to ask
3: uh, Viva. Do you want me to call you? I always wonder. Do you want me to call Viva? Is that what you want me to call me? Call you? I have officially started responding to both. So Viva, Viva's better. It'll be. Uh, it'll go better with my name.
2: <laughs> okay, Viva. Um, you've just had a bit of an incident. I've heard with Twitter. So tell us about that. What What kicked off there?
3: I, I've never been locked out of Twitter before in my life. I mean, and it wasn't even an edgy, saucy, satirical tweet. I was resp- responding to uh, Matt Gertz from Media Matters who had a 16th thread tweet with himself talking about how right-wing conservatives are now going to believe a, a conspiracy theory because of Elon Musk's tweet and then goes on to lambaste, you know, a long thread about how the right-wing are spreading conspiracy theories, et cetera. I was like... And I just said, you're going on a, a 16 thread tweet yourself when, you know, coming to certain conclusions when we haven't even seen the body cam footage. We don't know at the time where the clothing of this attacker, David DePop, was as a, as a tongue in cheek, you're coming to conclusions based on in, inadequate information and you're accusing others of being conspiracy theorists. Boom. Within one minute of that thread locked out, 26 hours locked out. I still haven't gotten an explanation, but uh, you know, I'm back wow. in the
2: tweet. The tweet's still there. Do you do you think that was the word conspiracy that like
3: like flagged something? I personally think it might have just been brigaded as a tweet. Like a lot of people flag it quickly. What and then was the
4: actual text of the tweet? It was.
3: Hmm. He's been banned from
2: Wi-Fi now. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've lost we've lost Viva for a second.
4: No, I'm oh back. No, you're back. Hello. Oh, you're back. Yeah. What was the text of the tweet?
3: <laughs> it said basically a 16 thread tweet with himself. Uh, before the body cam footage is released, before we know where DePop's clothes are, and he calls all those uh, uh, conspiracy theorists. I've had, if I, I would have other tweets that I might understand uh, getting, getting reported, but this was innocuous. It it, it questioned where DePop's clothing was. This was before media reports came out and said that finally he was actually clothed, wearing shorts, not underwear. So maybe there was that angle to it, but no explanation. And no I know justification. Mean, you're sure it was that tweet? Sorry, go on, Coleman.
4: Well, I was just gonna say I, I had when the story first broke, and it was said that he was naked, and they reported in the LA Times that Paul Pelosi asked him to go to the bathroom, and he just granted that request for some reason. All of it seemed a bit strange to me, and. I, I had no conspirath- conspiracy theory about it at all. I was just like, "This is a bit odd." There's some odd details here, which have many potential explanations. Some of those, some of those are conspiratorial. Could be a Jesse Smollett situation. Some of it could just be this guy was just an attacker and he was on drugs. And and I, it looks like that's how, how it's turning out to be. But I had some gentle questions about it on on Twitter, and people were calling me a conspiracy theorist, which I, I think is I think is kind of ridiculous. I. I, I made no suggestion in that direction. I was just like, "Isn't this a bit odd? Let let's see what's going on here." Uh,
3: I, I was saying from the very beginning, reporting that he was found in his underwear, I, and I said at the time, it, "It it raises questions. Is anybody asking them? Did he show up in his underwear, or did he take his there? Because the story doesn't um, make sense." And it turns out, just had a
2: i just had a thought, this being Sean's channel, of course, not not my own channel, well, um, this this particular subject that's getting everyone banned and taken off of Twitter, uh, we might do well to steer clear of a little bit. But I mean the point the point is here um that there is a restriction on speech. Has that always been the case? Should I get Ivory talking about that? I mean, is is this something new that this impingement on our our, our right to speak or, or has this been happening in different ways for years?
5: Well, I think most of the people across America would agree that it really was right in front of our faces starting in 2020 when we started seeing not only major influencers get deplatformed, but our own friends lose their Facebook pages or YouTubes or Twitters. Um, That really started to happen in 2020. So we're now two plus years into this tyranny against speech and this is big to have Twitter uh, perhaps opening us back up to the opportunity to speak freely and discuss everything.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. What do, you, do you guys agree with that? And, and if so, what, what, what is it
3: about 2020 that started this? I, I, I think it started earlier. I, I had a whole playlist to YouTube chicanery. It started with, I can't even say it started with Alex Jones, but that's when it really picked up on YouTube. And just so you know, Andrew, the, the the um the pop story is not yet doesn't seem to be a problematic story on 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 YouTube or anywhere else. Just other than you know a couple of here and there stories. Um, I remember YouTube. You used to talk about Alex Jones after he got deplatformed. All of that would get flagged, removed. You know, so it, it's been there. You know, in one iteration or another. But I think Ivory's right. Twenty twenty, the election, COVID. My goodness, it, it went into hyperdrive.
2: Mm, Coleman, what, what's your what are your thoughts in the matter?
4: Yeah, it's been going on for years. Uh, I remember several years ago, it was before 2020. I don't remember who tweeted the phrase men are not women in the context of talking about trans and gender identity and was locked out of their account. There have been a whole bunch of other instances like this stretching back to like at least 2017, if not earlier. And I think 2020 amplified everything, kicked everything into higher gear because there were riots all over the nation. It was a time of revolutionary feeling and high stakes and and so the dial and everything got turned up and I think um, you know in the past year now that that frenzy has died down a little, a little bit some people are remembering their principles. Um, for, for example the Washington Post apologizing um, that they um, participated in the, the basically the, the cancellation of Um, what's his name? James Bennett at the New York Times over the Tom Cotton episode. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, yes, like, you know, Tom Cotton wrote the op-ed saying we should bring into the troops, bring in the troops to stop the riots in 2020. And the New York Times ran that op-ed and then James Bennett got fired essentially because it got so much backlash. And this week the Washington Post issued a full apology saying, actually we should have stood by free speech. We were cowards. They essentially said that. So I think, uh, I think we are seeing people remember their principles, remember the importance of free speech now that that revolutionary feeling has sort of died down
2: um it's it's is, it's is complicated isn't it I'm, I'm trying to think just just because i think there's always been some restrictions on 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 who can say what in a public forum like on television or, or, or whatever over the decades and then the internet came up and it was this sort of libertarian ideal that we all love and i love the free speech in it but it does give a megaphone to everyone right everyone in the world can now speak out and lots of people will see it is there anything and i suppose I, i'm asking any of you this is there Anything that that people shouldn't be allowed to say is there anything they shouldn't be able to write on a public platform?
3: This is Ivory go for it.
5: Well, defamation's against the law in the United States, so you know that that's the law that we can't just go defame someone, you know, intentionally uh, smear them. But this uh, this idea of disinformation, misinformation being highly censored is. A big problem because the media, throughout history, has spread disinformation. The media constantly doesn't get it right, but we we need to be able to shed light on everything. We need to be able to uh, put out ideas or thoughts or questions without them being censored. Um, so I, I really, I really think if you look back in history, I mean, you look back at Hitler. This this time just. The levels of censorship seeing just reminds me of, of Germany, 1933, when they used the Reichstag fire to say, see, some of our people are resorting to extreme things like burning uh, government buildings, so we need to shut down free speech. It was a fire at a government building that led Germany to have sweeping lockdowns on speech, newspapers were canceled, radio stations shut down. And it was shortly after that that Hitler used that silence to do an absolute takeover and amplify the Nazi message. Lockdowns on free speech throughout Germany prevented people over in Austria from even knowing that millions were dying in concentration camps. You don't know what you don't know. So when you start the slippery slope towards censorship, it's a very dangerous move. And hmm. it's very concerning, the time. The, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: As, like Robert and I, Robert Barnes, we, we drafted the terms for rumble where it you know, was, we're, we're sort of at the awful, but lawful, you know, oversimplification with certain exceptions, like nobody goes to YouTube and wants pornography, for example, but it's not censorship to, uh, forbid pornography on the platform to the extent that it's the rules of the platform. And if you want pornography, huh. go to another website, you yeah. want to run around hurling ethnic slurs, there's websites for you. So it's not a question necessarily of censorship. It's politically motivated censorship, which is, uh, in a sense, a knife that only cuts one way. Ivory uses the example of, you know, analogizing things to World War II Germany. When Gina Carano does it on Twitter, or sorry, Instagram, she's banned. When Susan Saran does it on Twitter, she's praised as a hero. It's not restricting or, or setting limits. It's political weaponization of the application of those rules, but by and large, we should operate on an awful but lawful principle within, mm. so we, you know, with certain exceptions and certain limitations, just given the nature of the platform. But I suppose even if you say,
2: okay, no ethnic slurs, you, don't, you, want to use, you can't use them on Twitter, those are the rules of the platform. Well, some people would say that it's, it's, a, it's a slur, okay, not an ethnic slur, but a slur to say uh, that men are not women right? So people have different ideas of what slurs are. I mean, uh, Col- Coleman, how would you handle mm-hmm. that? Say you were in charge of deciding what's against the Twitter rules.
4: Yeah, I mean, I my instincts are much closer to Elon Musk's in terms of allowing things and also allowing people to curate their own experience, right? There can be a button saying, I don't actually there, there has been as, as a Twitter user, I only see replies from from, you know, it, it, actually, it actually hides certain replies from me But if I want to see them, I can, and those are the replies that are usually like just like psycho people. Um, But allowing people to curate their own experience, so like no ethnic ethnic slur option, or like a kind of like Google has safe search settings where it will not show you adult content if you want, it will show you everything if you want, and moving towards that, I think is is the way to go because I cannot think of a single. I mean, Ivory brought up the example of Germany. You could bring up any any country in the world from any era, I don't know of a single example where the people with the power to censor really censored all and only the bad stuff. They always mess up because who gets to decide what are the incentives of the people deciding? They are just human beings. they are apes like you and me that are not only uh, fallible, but also subject to whatever social and financial incentives are going to be operating. So there're never it's never going to be the case that the people with the power to censor are just going to censor the stuff they really should censor.
2: Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What could go right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Vava Lucas. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. EXPRESSVPN.com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. When you've got someone though, like okay, what Kanye West said the other day about Jewish people, which Sean doesn't want me to even repeat the what, what he said on on this channel. But and of course, people say those things about every ethnicity and minority. Is there a chance that it can stoke uh, hatred and is that a legal? Is there a legal thing? I, I suppose I should ask you, Viva. Is there a, is there a legal with, with you know stoking hatred and that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, it depends on your jurisdiction. Canada has much more, uh, I say, much more stringent hate speech rules than America, for example. America, true threat is the criteria. Uh, in Canada, hate speech that tends to incite scorn against an identifiable group, but you know, to the to the point where you say. Some people think it's a slur to say boys are not girls or men are not women. Well, you have your legal categories of protected groups, which some people don't like, you know, like Jews, blacks, minorities, where you say, OK, these are protected gays, lesbians and so on. And then so some will say, well, you know, transgender not yet there. So you can say men are not women. Then you get a Canadian law that adds gender identity or gender expression to the criminal code. And then lo and behold, yeah, that could potentially be hate speech in Canada. Um, does it foment it? No. I mean, I don't think it foments it because I think bad ideas, when they see the light of day, get disinfected by the sunlight. Uh, and also, I'd like to know who's saying it more often than not. Going underground, you're not going to prevent it. You're just going to not know about it. So let let mm-hmm. Kanye West say whatever he wants to say. If it's stupid, people will have a debate and people will come to the conclusion Kanye West is stupid, or it was a joke, or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But suppressing the freedom of speech, the old the old saying, you know, when you cut out a man's tongue, you're not you're not uh, I screwed it up. You're not proving him a liar. You're proving yourself afraid of hearing what he has to say.
2: Mm, I suppose. I guess what worries me. I'm a I'm a person of Jewish persuasion myself. Uh, well, I'm an atheist person who doesn't do anything to do with any of that stuff. But it's just you know my family is, and I see the Kanye West thing. As I see, you know, it shouldn't be any different to how I feel when he or anyone else uh, criticizes another group of people. But but then you see a lot of his followers and fans who seem to be inspired by him, and they're mostly agreeing. And you're going, oh god, this is terrible. So it, that is that sort of thing of let bad ideas just air out in the in well, the sun. It doesn't can I, wait, can I say something? Like
4: this? The the ugly truth is that Kanye's views about Jews are far more popular in the black community than people want to admit because it comes everything he's saying comes from the Nation of Islam, which to this day is unfortunately pretty popular. Louis Farrakhan huh. and his his descendants it's it's they're it's not like two percent of black people. It's like you know I, I know a lot of people that are like are, are in that tradition and believe what he believes so whether or not kanye says it it's been there it's going to be there i think it actually it benefits from what piers morgan did and what lex friedman did from actually holding him to the fire about why you believe this stuff and whether you're willing to defend it and piers morgan got him to apologize twice although he's so mercurial that he goes back and forth and will start saying the anti-semitic stuff again but i mean i, I would you know I, I don't think getting rid of him actually gets rid of the ideas you know like the the laws against holocaust denial in germany have they gotten real, rid of all the holocaust deniers and the nazis those laws have been around for over 50 years and i don't think you know we've legislated that problem away i think it, it really is better to allow those people to say those things and then to challenge them publicly
3: Andrew, go on, Fever. I was just going to say, very quickly. Ironically, Kanye West says, "You know, like I'm going after Jewish people uh, or going deathcon, whatever." And then what happens the next day? Cut ties, deplatform, censor. I mean, that that in some people's view might actually lose your bank account.
4: Lose your bank account. It's it's kind of a backfiring strategy in terms of creating the optics. You know, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. 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 No, I get it. He says he says a certain group of people rule the world, and then that happens. And you could say to him, look, it would have happened if you'd said it about other minorities as well. But it's stood. The optics uh, are not good. He didn't look good because he spelled DefCon wrong, and it wasn't even the highest. It wasn't the highest DefCon, was it? I think it goes up to five, does it? And he did three. Yeah. Just wants yeah. to sort of mess with us a bit. It's funny. I mean, look, I didn't even get that offended by it because it's Kanye West and he's clearly not well. And you just think, oh, who, you know, who cares sort of thing. And I, I, I tend to agree with you guys that I'm more embarrassed by the fact that he's then sort of vindicated by being unable to access his bank accounts and things like that. And now it feels a bit like, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. I wish we'd just gone. You're a complete plonker kanye and we don't you know because there there is a theory as well john ronson writes about it in the psychopath test that when somebody goes beyond crazy like when people are a bit crazy we're fascinated but then they go a little bit further they're really crazy and then we stop caring and i yeah. think if we just left kanye alone in his little bubble there to do his mad stuff um maybe it just would have on I was going to ask um Ivory you were talking about defamation before so that's another because we've just talked about ethnic slurs and things like that defamation is a really interesting uh, case particularly regarding um, Alex Jones and I was on Tim Paul's podcast so I got to fly out to your lovely country, not Viva's country but I believe co- you guys are American, Coleman and Ivory right? That's um, right Beautiful country. And I got to go on his, sh- on his show, and we were debating that because he was saying, uh, Tim Paul, you know, uh, he was very much against uh, Alex Jones losing all this money in the court case um, and was saying, you should be able to say all this stuff. And for anyone not familiar, it's to do with the, you know, a- an attack that happened. I- again, I'm very wary of the words I use while on Sean's channel that might get it, you know, taken off or whatever, but about an attack on children at school. And he said that it was a false flag or whatever. And then people went and picketed. Uh, or whatever they did, they uh, manifested outside the houses of, of the pa- the parents. So what what I said to Tim Paul was, you know, what should happen then? Should he just have free reign, Alex Jones, to say whatever? And I'll ask you guys about it afterwards as well, because I think it's a fascinating topic about, about Alex Jones in particular. Should he just be able to say whatever, and then whatever the consequences are not his responsibility?
5: Well, I... It's a tough situation and I'm a big free speech advocate so I I err on the side of of letting people throw out crazy ideas like I mean I I let people say insane things about me on on my page and I don't delete those because I believe in free speech and sharing whatever you want about people because again you get down this slippery slope or pretty soon you are um, you're censoring things that may be true. But um, that's, that, is a, that is a tough one, I'm not sure. But I, I don't know. What do you think, Viva? I think, I, Viva,
2: right? I, I, I think oh. that's a perfectly good answer, by the way. We should be able to say we don't know, because these are really murky topics.
3: You know? well, Go on, yeah. Viva. I, I, could t- I could say this. I got a little flack early on from saying, yes, yeah, some of the things Alex Jones said would probably could have been sanctionable under the law. But uh, that being said, there should be nobody out there who approves of the way that that trial went down. Uh, If it had gone down normally through the adversarial process, we might have learned, as we actually did learn, even in the the trial on, on the quantum, that people were being harassed before Alex Jones even covered the story. These conspiracy theories were not publicized and made popular by Alex Jones. They got to Alex Jones because they were already public and popular and people were calling Alex Jones controlled opposition for not talking about it because they had gained so much traction. So, you know, he he said things, I think they've been largely blown out of proportion in terms of frequency. He said things which had it gone through the normal court system. I think he probably would have been ordered to pay some damages uh, for a a few statements. For the rest, for the parents to say, we were, you know, we're suing Alex Jones because of things he said about the incident, when it's the incident itself that is the source of the cataclysmic distress in their lives and then to, to to have a total perversion of the judicial process to just hang it all on one person and order them you know try to get them to pay a billion dollars 2.75 trillion dollars like uh, wow. i i did a comparative basis the armenian genocide seeking reparations three trillion dollars and you imagine these parents through their through their lawyer are asking for 2.75 trillion dollars for punitive compensatory legal fees etc um he said that's stupid that's- things He should have been. He should have been. He probably would have been found guilty had the justice system run its normal course. But what happened there was a total perversion, and probably hid the fact that Alex Jones was not responsible for what was being said. It was already out there and already popular, and that's how it made its way to Alex Jones's ear in the first place.
4: Hmm. Coleman, you make really good points. I mean, I'm I'm always tempted to have no sympathy for him, Um, but at the end of the day, horrible people deserve defense, and they deserve the adversarial system more than likable people. That's the entire point of the legal system is to give the most vile person every bit as much defense um, as anyone else would get. So I didn't actually pay attention to, to the trial closely enough to have a comment on how it went down. But um, I mean, all, all, all the points you're making seem seem like good points to me.
3: I mean, if, if you had, Coleman, it, it, the, the process was a perversion. He was, he was, not to get too far into it, I, I followed beginning to end. He was found guilty by default verdict, and the only trial they had was on quantum after he was already found guilty by default verdict for alleged non-compliance with discovery obligations. So guilty by a uh, default verdict. So when he got to the quantum, couldn't assert innocence, couldn't try to mitigate damages, and had his, had his testimony, a perversion. He said stupid things. Um, it, and had it had it gone its natural route, there might have been actual legal defenses about public figures, actual mm-hmm. malice, statute of limitations, uh, perversion. But as far as it goes in general, you have to. It's true, Coleman. It's 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 the it's the speech we don't like that requires the most vigorous protection, not the speech we do like. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Is there
2: anything in law that uh, that changes when somebody's got a particularly big um, uh, voice? You know, big uh, audience.
5: Actual malice in the United States. That's right. Viva Fry is not from the United States. Yeah, when you're a public figure, um, it has to be, you have to prove actual malice. Uh, uh. This premeditated plan to um, to create a lie to ruin someone, um, which makes it really difficult to prove, to get the evidence that this person really wanted to take down that person. But... Um, I think that it's good that, that defamation is so difficult to prove, because if, if it wasn't difficult to prove, we would all be afraid to speculate on anything, uh, to ask tough questions about anyone uh, for fear that they would come back and sue us, that we would, we would be getting everyone would be getting sued left and right, especially right. public figures who commentate. So I think it's good that it's very difficult. To, to prove those lawsuits.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: I, Andrew, I, you know, I'm from Canada, but now I'm living in Florida. But I'm, I'm, I've am I'm i gotten
5: very familiar with American law.
3: Hmm. In Canada, defamation yep. is much more lax. And in Quebec, whereas truth is the absolute defense, Quebec hasn't even an exception to that. It could be true and still be defamatory. And you can get into an absurd situation like we have in Canada, or the UK with Count, uh, Count Dankula. In Canada, a stand-up comic, Mike Ward, was ordered to pay $43,000 by the Quebec Human Rights Tribunal for a a, a, a stand-up comedy segment he did about another celebrity who happened to be a 16-year-old handicapped kid. public figure. It got overturned by the Supreme Court, but it had to go from the commission to the appeals to the Supreme Court uh, who said, yeah, ultimately by five to four freedom of speech, artistic expression, public figure stuff. But you get into that realm... Uh, And the Alex Jones precedent that it's setting. Oh, uh, Kanye comes out and questions how George Floyd died. Two hundred and fifty million dollar lawsuit from the family. I mean, that's that's not how freedom of speech works. And it also suppresses normal investigation and also just people's right to question and believe what they want to believe within the compliance of the law. I think I mean I'm
2: with what Coleman was saying before just about um, about not really wanting not feeling like I want to defend uh, Alex Jones but knowing that you know those are the people who need it most I suppose but it quite a in my view did some of the well, I mean, i mean to do that to make the parents of these these children go through that again to to do that kind of damage for me is just it's just awful and tasteless and it sounds i don't know about this comedian that you're talking about but it sounds tasteless and, and horrible and i have a maybe a visceral emotional reaction to those things but that's not what the law's about i suppose and is, is that a, is that what I, you're concerned about is does it feel like the law or the people responsible for legal decisions are acting with emotion rather than their brains at the moment.
3: Who, was the, who mm-hmm. wants to this one?
5: <laughs> I, I myself didn't watch the auction trial, so you're the one to comment on that. Right,
3: well, you, you should all, it's too late, but we'll, we could do a full separate panel on this. Uh, I, there, in, in Canada, Supreme Court Justice uh, Bich said, pity should never guide the courts. In, in America, it's not guided by pity or emotions. I think it's guided by politics, which is even worse. Uh, but it, 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 the, the, I think a lot of people might also just have the misconceptions. Alex Jones in particular, like if we take for granted we've been misled and lied, by the, lied to by the mainstream media about COVID, you know, or potentially other stuff. You might also just want to take for granted our basic impressions of Alex Jones, what we think we understand, and what we think we know, might be equally tainted. As mine was back in 2018 when I first started covering it, um, but without you know this is not a defense of Alex Jones; it's another another subject entirely. The courts are guided by politics, and that's the problem. It's it's political weaponization of the censorship process, and it's just gotten judicial ratification via the Alex Jones experiment.
2: What is moving on to Elon Musk? What is you know his purchase of, of Twitter, forty four billion dollars? Uh, Coleman, what's it going
4: to what's it going to change? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I think it's yet to be seen, but his instincts on this issue are very different from Prague's. And in my opinion, they are better. And um, Prague, honestly, I I went to dinner with him once at a conference, and I had a couple drinks in me, and I really grilled him about his censorship of the New York Post, although he was not CEO at the time that the New York Post... Hunter Biden laptop story was censored two weeks before the election and then turned out to be 80% accurate, essentially accurate in its details that that was Hunter Biden's laptop and so forth. When we know if the reverse were true, if it were Donald Trump Jr., it, it would be a full page front spread in the New York Times. No one would you, there wouldn't have been 50 50 former intelligence operations, you know, operationals saying it had the hallmarks of Russian dis- disinformation. Anyway, everyone was called a conspiracy theorist and a right-wing nut. And then it turns out a year later, even the New York times is saying, yep, yeah, Hunter Biden laptop story, basically true. Um, so I really grilled him on that. Like what was the decision to, to lock out a major newspaper two weeks before an election when, um, you know, you wouldn't have done and he and he waffles and he says, Oh, well, I don't know. We have a we have a, we had a complex process and decision, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Be honest. Isn't it the case that Twitter's workforce is um left-leaning? And he goes, Well, I don't know the politics of my employees. And I was like, Okay, gun to your head, gun to your head. <laughs> you have to guess whether Votes of employees at your company are 50-50, right, left, more on one side or more to the other. You guys, okay, I guess in that situation, they're left leaning There we go. So it doesn't require any malice for a, a, a company with a left-wing culture or, for that matter, a right-wing culture to censor viewpoints on the other side. I think if Twitter, if if most of the people that worked at Twitter voted Republican, there's no way they would be fair to left wing newspapers. There's just no way. So it's not even, it's just an acknowledgement of reality that this problem exists. And Elon Musk, he sees that it's a real problem, regardless of whether his proposed solutions are going to work. At the very least, he acknowledges that it's a problem.
2: Is it a problem? It, it seems that certain types of industries and jobs attract left-wing individuals, particularly publishing, uh, academia, and social media kinds of jobs. So is that is that part of the problem, everyone?
5: <laughs> I can say that, you know, I spent nine years in corporate news before leaving Fox last year. And every newsroom I worked in, the majority of the staff was left-leaning. If there was a rare right-wing person, they would pretend to be left-wing. Um, so I can say that in corporate news media, for some reason it does only attract primarily left-wing people. I don't know Even why. at Fox? Yes, yeah. This was um, Fox mm-hmm. local, owned by Fox National, but yeah. And there were le- there were definitely leftists doing the national news at Fox as well. Just kind of staying low key about it. So,
3: <laughs> Andrew, just to, to add something to Coleman, I mean, uh, Elon might find out what it feels like to get a visit by the FBI or the DOJ that says, you know, you might want to think twice about allowing these stories to run. And I'm, I'm not saying it happened. I'm just saying, you know, what Zuckerberg said on the Joe Rogan podcast about FBI saying, you know, there's, a, there's going to be a lot of disinformation coming out. You know, you might want to look at what you're uh, publishing. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's how it happens. And mm. now that we've got the leaks. Uh, it's either from Microsoft or Twitter. You know, the government saying media's got to get comfortable with government. Uh, it, the, the left-leaning uh, predilections, is that the word, of the of the mm. staff and the employment is one thing, but the government's involvement is quite another. I mean, we know that they have back channels directly with Twitter, and Elon Musk might find out it's not going to be quite as easy to be as free speech as he thought he wanted to be, given not just staff um, uh, predilections, but rather government, back channels, interference, pressure. Robert, how goes the battle, sir? <laughs> how goes it? Hi, Robert. I'm um, sorry,
2: I didn't, Hi. how long have you been waiting there? I didn't even see, I didn't see you were there.
1: Oh, just a few minutes. They, they, they just told me to log on about, uh, I oh. guess it's 7.30 British time, 12.30 my time, so I know it.
2: Right, well, good to have you with us. Well, should we just go in with a question for, give you, we'll grill you right away. Um, are, are you excited about Elon Musk um, taking over Twitter? How do you see things changing?
1: Well, at least has potential for improvement. I mean, we'll find out. I mean, I think Musk is a unique personality. You know, he has some ideas that uh, may not be, you know, the best, uh, depending on where you, where you stand. But I think he is at least more committed to some degree of free speech, some degree of less censorship than his predecessors. We'll see hmm. how much he, you know, he actually, the, when the rubber hits the road, how much does it really translate? Um, I hmm. think that is still very much an open question. But I think, you know, the even some of the objectives he has that some people are skeptical of, you know, his transhumanist comments, his idea of converting Twitter into something like the Chinese App program, of using it as sort of a, a mind surveillance program, things like that, that people have concerns over. But in order for that to work, he needs to have his less less censorship. So if it's at least less censor, it looks something more like the 2016 version of Twitter. Uh, that would be a m- much more interesting Twitter. Twitter got to the point where it was so gatekeep uh, control. I mean, even Viva was getting suspended. I mean, you know, I'm mean, I mean, <laughs> Twitter, you know,
3: Twitter's nice boy. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, the even you know, relatively straight, you know, uh, straight laced, normal coverage was getting suppressed yeah. and censored, algorithmically manipulated, uh, really bad over the last two years. So hopefully, he. He's, he's said he will not politically discriminate. He said he'll have rules that are like Rumble's rules. He has said that he will uh, be more free speech oriented. We will find out if he means it.
2: Are we, are we able to ask you just, to, is is it possible to turn your microphone down a tiny bit just so it's on the same level as everyone, uh, as the oh, others?
1: I You're asking the wrong guy. That that, that would have to come to your <laughs> end. I have
3: no idea how any of it works.
2: Okay, well, then everyone Ooh. else speak up and then we'll be on, on the same level. <laughs> Andrew, on
3: your end, you might have to go into StreamYard and bring down his mic manually, whoever's it. Oh,
2: hand. this is smart. <laughs> uh, edit yeah, mic settings. Stuff. <laughs> no, I, well, I think Ash is in. I think the producer Ash is in here somewhere, so maybe he can do it and figure it, figure it out. Um so what was I what was I just going to ask? You know what I was gonna ask Ivory, what was the reason why you left mainstream news and stuff? What what happened? Because you did like a live thing, didn't you?
5: Yes. Um I did. I called them out live last year. Um that was, I mean, it began in 2020 when um Fox sent me a cover. Um Treatments at a hospital during the pandemic, and the um, I, I went forth with reporting exactly what the doctor was doing there, and that led to HR meetings with Fox, saying that I had messed up and that I would be fired if I if I reported any more on treatments. And I, you know, and I said, how did I mess up? You know, all of this is factual. This is exactly what the doctor said and did. And Fox said, I know, we know that you're telling the truth. It's not about the truth, Ivory. It's about what the CEO wants. And so that really stunned me that this was no longer about the truth. This is about what my boss's boss wants. And that any any moment now, I, I could get fired suddenly... The news field became a landmine, a a field of landmines where I didn't know if the next story I was going to do was going to trigger something that was outside the narrative because suddenly the narrative became this very narrow, rigid thing that we had to stick with. This is the mainstream media narrative. And so I, I said, This is not truth seeking journalism at all. I used to just go out and collect what's actually happening and disseminate it, and suddenly I'm getting in trouble for that. So after that, you know, I saw the same sort of narrative form with election coverage, um, and where, where there was there was actually a lot of uh, anomalies associated with the election, and they wanted to um, shut all that out too. And so um, they wanted uh, there. There were so many narratives that began to form 2020 to 2021, and their threats against me intensified. We had big debates between behind the scenes about telling the truth journalism. And, I, and so I finally blew the lid off of it the next year and said, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I were, you know, staying in that environment. So that's yeah. why that's why I left.
2: Yeah. Um, well, a, lot, a lot of this, and I guess people, some people will be wondering, uh, you know, because we talk about Twitter a lot and a lot of people don't even use Twitter. A lot of people watching this will be thinking that. But I think a lot of this stuff does filter down from, uh, Twitter and also academia, uh, in some cases. um, What were you going to say, Ivory, before I cut? Yeah, I think, I think so. Just to the general feeling.
5: I did notice, I, I didn't realize before I left the corporate news that they are all in lockstep, the corporate news and the social media corporations, they were all censoring the same stuff. I didn't realize until I left and was able to go out and explore what else there was to cover, um, because the bosses would just, there, there were so many stories they wouldn't even approve. And once I was on my own, viewers were sending me a tons of questions and I realized, oh, you're not allowed to answer these questions on social media. Um, but I wanted to add to Viva Fry's point about uh, these conversations with the FBI. Um, I think adding Elon Musk to this mix is going to be really telling of what our federal government might really be up to in the United States, where it is actually illegal for the government to control speech uh, as provided under the First Amendment. So it was revealed this summer after the attorneys general from Missouri and Louisiana uh, sued to get the release of conversations between the White House, Facebook, and Twitter. It was discovered that for throughout the pandemic 2020 to 2021, um, the White House, Facebook and Twitter were all collaborating. White House was emailing back and forth. They were setting up Zoom meetings and scheduling what to censor. The White House was giving directives on what to censor. And then of course we heard Zuckerberg talk about the FBI, you know, giving strong, uh, you know, recommendations to censor certain things. So I think right now, you know, that that looks like a huge violation of uh, our First Amendment in the U.S. And I guess the only argument they can say is, well, it was just a suggestion, and they played along. They didn't have to. Facebook and Twitter didn't have to. Well, now we have Elon Musk added into it. Now is he? He seems like he'll be less likely to play along. And then it'll be a test as to whether the the government comes in with threats or penalties against Elon Musk, which would be a much more blatant violation of our constitution in the US. So we'll see what happens.
3: Are
2: any, are any of you guys worried um, about Elon Musk's track record with uh, speech and, and shutting down people himself? Obviously, it's not the same when you're blocking people and stuff. That doesn't take away people's free speech. It just takes away, you know, their ability to contact him. But there's a lot of stuff around making journalists sign NDAs and demanding to be able to review any articles, um, even, even getting Tesla customers to sign things they don't realize they're signing saying they won't complain. In China, there have been lawsuits uh, against people like social media influencers in China who have said things about Tesla. Are any of you guys worried about about Musk in, in that sense?
5: Yeah, I am. I I don't trust just one guy being in in charge of speech, you hope you have a benevolent dictator, but you never know, dictatorship is never very nice. I like the setup that the Bastion social media um, platforms has a bastion.com. They have a setup where it's actually like a jury pool where if if someone flags content as um, as something that should be censored, then this um, there's, there's a random selection of several Bastion users who act as a jury in reviewing this and deciding what to do. And each person has to give their decision on whether this should be censored. It has to be unanimity that everyone in that jury pool wants that censored in order for it to be censored. So it's much more difficult to censor things um, and, and only things that are obviously, you know, Things that nobody wants to see is all that would be censored. So, but no, I don't trust Elon Musk single-handedly. I have more hope. I have more hope with him than with someone like Zuckerberg. But we'll see.
3: Well, R- Robert did a, a, a an in depth dive on on Elon, it, it, broader than his his stance on free speech. So R- Robert definitely has a a position on this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Please, Musk yeah. has controversy as his supporters. Uh, some of his supporters give off cultish vibes uh, and then some of his supporters, I mean, a lot of his supporters have made a lot of money betting on him and a lot of his critics have lost a lot of money, you know, so that that's the his track record in that sense. He's one of the most brilliant marketers ever. And whether his products live up to expectation is another question. No, no doubt, you know, you have someone with a very eclectic, iconoclastic identification, uh, you know, has been very willing to, you know, be critical of those who come after him. You know, has been been subject to libel and defamation lawsuits already. Uh, So uh, I but I think it's compared to what? I mean, compared to the past or compared to the other big tech oligarchs, uh, Musk may care more about and protect more free speech, maybe for reasons that aren't like pure in nature. I mean, it may be about using the surveillance technology that big tech was designed to do in the first place. And the reality is surveillance doesn't work effectively if you're canceling and censoring people all the time. Uh, if you really want mass gathering of information of what's going on, who thinks what, what they think, when they think it, how they think it. Big reason why DARPA and others backed big tech from the very inception was it could be potentially incredible intel information gathering. But that doesn't function that effectively if you're sent- they decided gatekeeping and censoring mattered more. Uh, I think Musk is not naturally inclined towards a lot of censoring or gatekeeping, so I think that part of Twitter will be better. Will you know? Will he make it more robust? He's talking about a subscription service. You know, you get a blue check mark for eight bucks. You get promoted eight bucks a month, and you get promoted within the Twitter algorithm and all the rest. It'll be very interesting to see. I mean, what I can say is, as soon as he took over, suddenly people could find me on Twitter, which they couldn't for the last five years. So Hmm. uh, it so far seen improvements. There's reasons to be skeptical of Musk, but it's hard to get worse than his predecessors.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Coleman, where do you stand on Elon Musk? Um, And don't say his throat.
4: (laughs) Well, I don't. So the, the fact that he may have made people sign NDAs and planted articles for Tesla and SpaceX or whatever, I don't think any of that makes him a hypocrite. I think they're kind of separate issues because he, he you know, he's entering into voluntary agreements to paint his business well as any smart, successful businessman would um, and managing the image of his brand and his company in a way that is not actually censoring anyone, right? Like people are voluntarily seeing that this like propaganda article mutually benefits me so let's whatever. You can criticize that but I, I actually don't think it makes him a hypocrite in branding him as himself as now Mr. Free Speech Guy, I think they're kind of separate issues. Of course that it remains to be seen, um, as you said, Robert, like when the rubber hits the road, it's very easy to be an idealist until you are actually in charge and looking at the numbers and looking at the lawsuits and the incentives and and, and everything like that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him sell out some of his principles, but the question will be when he does sell out, how much does he sell out for? How how much does he move the needle in the direction of non politicized, uh, you know, targeted censorship?
3: So my concern with, with Musk is that he, he's easily compromised in a sense, not because, you know, peeing on on hookers in, in Moscow, but he's got other big businesses which are reliant on government authorizations. Did he do that? Yeah, no, I don't think Elon I think it's probably clean in that respect despite you know Okay. Are oh, you
2: saying it's just a, an example of something that could something, could happen to us? You know,
3: Elon doesn't have a laptop with, with uh, from hell. But Elon has big business which is reliant on government approval, government regulations and I could see a lot of indirect pressure, a lot of indirect wink wink nudge nudge be good here and will be good there. That would be my concern. Um because you know, they could take down both businesses at the same time. So he, he, it's, it's a different type of blackmail. It's a different type of extortion. It's a different type of, of, of corruption. But uh, it's, it's real in my mind. We'll see. But like Barnes says, better than what? It's, be, it's better than Dorsey and it's better than Prague. And mm. he's experienced
1: I, I his own family. You know, the effect of wokeism. You know, his own daughter has become one of his kids. I mean, he's got like kids with like I don't four women, five women. I don't know how many it is. He's got. I like to say he's he's
4: perpetuating the stereotype of African Americans.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now we're all canceled. Now we are all canceled.
4: (laughs) I think there's a little bit of the Julian
1: Assange thing. You know, the you know Assange you know also seemed to like to have a lot of little Julians running around genetically. Um, you know, I'm a big Assange fan, but that, that fact is kind of, it's what, it's what got him into trouble, but the first time around the, uh, but I think, yeah, so I, there's definitely some oddities with Musk. I mean, Musk's dad, you know, who, you know, I think dating the dad's stepdaughter. I mean, so there's things there you look at and you're like, "Mm, I don't know if this is like peak moral values kind of thing. Uh, But as long as he just promotes a little bit more speech, a little less censorship, makes Twitter a little more fun. And I love the fact that he trolled the New York Times. You know, the New York Times took a shot at him because he was like, the Pelosi story doesn't make sense. He cited the Santa Monica Observer, which has a history of putting out some questionable stories. So he retracted that. New York Times runs a piece and says, oh, you know, look at Elon Musk already tweeting fake news. And he responds, no, 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 I haven't tweeted the New York Times in quite some time. So, you know, the the Trump-esque entertainment value is definitely way up with Musk owning Twitter.
3: He should not have deleted that tweet. I don't know why he tweeted it. If he thought, Robert, do you think he thought it was always... Oh, it's
1: because Santa Monica Observer does have, as you know, the history of running fake stories. Well, but but I...
3: I, I, to me, there was. I, I, I don't know if. if I mean, Holden they did run that story
1: saying Hillary. Was, I had people emailing me all the time saying Hillary's dead. They took her out. It's totally a replacement. <laughs> Same thing with Trump three years ago. I don't know where. The, I mean, it was like a. It was like a person who had actually had major reporting pedigree at one point who kept telling me these went or down this rabbit hole and became completely convinced that like half of the world leaders were actually replacements they're all robots the real ones had been taken out and that i just wasn't paying a close enough attention that the next time i was with alex jones i should double check you know there's still people that think alex jones is Bo bridges i still get that from time to time it's like no i
4: met him still alex he's real deal
3: we did the stream and people were saying alex jones's voice is deeper than normal it's it's, it's a replacement for a bot but no i think it, it, i thought he tweeted out the article just to make fun of hill potentially that he tweeted out that article because it's total rubbish To make fun of Hillary for saying this was right wing, you know, her her conspiratorial rubbish. I said by deleting it, he looked guilty, but he's a big boy. He he knows what he's doing. He does have a a a
2: really phenomenal voice, Alex Jones. Uh, If he went for a different career, and he could do those trailers because that there was that Hollywood guy, and I think I think he died, did he? The guy who did all the trailers and Alex Jones would be Mm -hmm. fantastic at that.
1: He's a natural, by the way. I mean, he can he can tap. The only other person I've been around like him that can tap their emotion, but in an authentic way for performative purposes was Wesley Snipes. Snipes could do it on the drop of a hat. He could like he said, hey, Barnes, can you do this as a lawyer? And he got up and did it. He was a better lawyer than me in terms of performance. I mean, Mm. just he's an old school, well-trained method actor. Actually, originally a trained dancer. He's in the video Bad with Michael Jackson, but that's another story. The uh, Mm. it uh, is Jones. Jones can authentically tap any emotional reservoir he needs to fully express authentically an emotion he has. So, people Mm. have been around and been like, Wow, you could have been a great actor, could have been a great performer. He would have made he would have been successful in any business he went in, uh, Mm. because yeah, he's got the grovelly voice and he's got that whole, yeah. Uh, right. And between all of it, it, like he keeps trying to find people that could kind of replace him if he could like retire. There just isn't another little Alex Jones running around. I mean, the, 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 yeah. that's a very unique personality, very unique abilities and talents and skills and capabilities. I mean, they're trying to take him out because of how successful he's been. I mean, yeah. I think they're currently requesting two point seven five trillion dollars in damages more than the Armenians want for the entire genocide that they suffered. I mean, it's yeah. like, at what point? You missed that
3: people- bit. Yeah. <laughs> We've already,
2: I mean- we already went on d- about the Armenians. We've done the Armenians. I would also, I would just say that, you know, Coleman, Viva, and Ivory are also spectacular presenters of the the stuff that they're presenting as well, just like Alex Jones, as are you. So <laughs> we're all good as, as well. And you, you accidentally missed them out when you were saying about the best, the best in the world because they're here oh, as well. Of
1: course, of course. Yeah. A- a- everybody's it- great. It's just like Jones <laughs> always expects people to like, be able to pull off what he can. He's like, "Hey, I'll train you a little bit." And it's like, uh, we everybody can do their own thing. Jones is in a, is in a territory all on his own. I think.
2: No, he, he's you love him or hate him. He's very good at what he does, and he has that voice. Oh, and yeah. everything. And he's but going back to Musk. He's very, he is entertaining. Uh, going back to Musk, you know, it's, I think it's good that we have a healthy skepticism between us. Cause I don't think you should, you know, we're not sycophants. And, um, Musk tweeted before, you know, if the red, the right and the left both hate me, I must be doing something right. But I don't think he accounts for the amount of centrists that are worried about him as well. And I think that's ne- not necessarily. I was going to,
3: I was going to reply to that. That's one way to view it. Or you're really just screwing up so badly, both sides. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to look like I'm trying to get clout by picking on, on Musk, but, uh, the, yeah. yeah. The, 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 there's a number of things. He's floating ideas. I'm not sure eight dollars a month is a good is a good model. I don't like the idea of buying a blue check mark, not because of any you know, prestige that should be attributed to it, but that's gonna facilitate much more easily, I think, political abuse, where just get a you know, well-funded campaigns, buy a bunch of blue check marks, it will lend credibility or at least authenticity to accounts where people are gonna say, Oh, a lot of blue check marks, it must be true. Or There must be a lot of people behind these accounts without realizing it could be just as easily weaponized, just as long as you have money. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It it seems I don't want to tell
2: Elon Musk how to business, but he went in with $20. For anyone who doesn't know, it's that he, to have a blue check or blue tick verification, uh, which is actually a white tick inside a blue sort of circle but everyone calls it a blue tick or check or whatever um you now need to pay you yeah, have a look at it is that you have to pay 20 it was 20 dollars he said at first i think uh and, and this annoys me because i only got my tick last year and i was so excited and now everyone's gonna have them. but fine and then suddenly he's having a debate with um what's his name the horror of stephen king who said I'm not paying twenty dollars? And he went, okay, what about eight? And I just thought you need a business person who comes in with a firm idea. I don't know about the economy, but am I wrong in saying, you know, if you come in with that confidence and you're like, this is my plan, it tends to work better. You need people to trust you. Whereas he's sort of negotiating with with a billionaire who's basically, you know, Stephen King wasn't really saying I don't have twenty dollars a month to spare. I think it was the principle. Um. So yeah, is that is that a bit worrying that you're so indecisive? Well,
1: I think he's doing Trump. Trump does the same thing when he has Musk has a similar style. He's primarily a marketer more than an inventor. And it's mm. all about testing ideas in open space. And I think he's, he also thinks it'll boost Twitter is like we're going to have this open public discussion where you get to interface, interact with the CEO of Twitter as to what the heck Twitter is going to be moving forward. So I, I think he's testing it in open time uh, is kind of where he's he's going. and And we'll see how it all. Work, But that that struck me as what it's his style in some other environments, even though he's known as kind of a dictator once he takes over a company, uh, he he does have this sort of open uh, source discussion in the inventive stage of the company.
3: I'm going to predict that it's the $8 a month is not ever going to come to fruition. That's, that's, my, that's my prediction. Oh, I, I think mm-hmm. definitely will. Why? The,
1: the re- his logic is you're no longer selling your private information for advertising purposes. will dramatically reduce the advertising and we'll, monetize, uh, we'll allow you to monetize your own content in a certain way. I think he's going to go almost like the locals model. Um, and as I think he's trying to look at how could we monitor, I, I don't think it will stop at $8. It'll be, if you want to interact with certain people, you have to have that check Mark. If you want to be able, uh, and that people can then get to share is my guess in the revenue sharing down the road, something like that. He's talking about expanding the audio and video capabilities of Twitter to compete in other
4: spaces. So my guess is I that's question. What is it is this eight dollars and you get a check mark or eight dollars and other requirements and you get a check mark like follower count? Oh, no no just, just eight bucks a month, period. I mean, do, won't that just have the effect of vastly deflating the importance of a check mark?
2: I told it I could. just tweeted that at Elon. I just tweeted him. Yeah, that. he didn't reply yeah, to me. I but think he has that, to,
4: uh, he has to have a response to that. He, he's
1: too smart oh, to Oh, he deny. thinks that's fine because the more the more people use it, the more money he makes.
2: Ivory, what were you just saying?
5: Oh, I was going to say I think the check mark will now be more of a symbol of ego than
4: prestige.
5: <laughs> you know, it's oh, always here's someone, been ego. <laughs> here's someone who, well, no, because previously it was like that was only granted to you if you were like a public figure in some way. I have to say, but-
4: seriously, I think the check mark actually materially probably has benefited me. It took me a long time to get for inexplicable reasons, even though I had probably almost two hundred thousand followers. Just for no reason, it took like two years to get. And I really do think when I'm reaching out to someone trying to collaborate, having the check mark gives me as a person with sometimes have controversial ideas, a certain level of certain people trust me. It allows me to do more stuff. I think it actually does. That's I, sure. I yeah. think there's
3: there's no question with that. I, I just think also from the not the validity of the opinions but just from the legitimacy of the account you know that it's gone through some sort of verification process right. if all you got to do now is pay eight bucks a month how do i know i'm not dealing with the bot farm in in russia
1: well and the other thing there of course is uh, you almost have to get it to protect your identity otherwise somebody else can buy your identity for eight bucks Absolutely! Oh
2: man, that's annoying. I don't want to spend eight dollars. <laughs> have you guys issue. seen the economy? The economy in the UK at the moment. I, I might be asking you guys to 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 pay it for me because that's gonna, probably going to be about five hundred pounds by mm-hmm. by within a few months. Uh, eight dollars, but I mean, it, it is. I mean, we've got to wrap up in a second. But I just say, I mean, it is arbitrary the whole blue tick thing. I mean, as Coleman says, it took two years for no
4: reason. It's ridiculous. Totally yet, opaque process. Totally opaque process. And when I got it, it just been, yeah. There's no explanation.
2: Yeah. I I just refreshed my screen one day as i have been doing every five seconds for three years, and suddenly there was a verif- there was a tick there. But as you say, it co- it completely changed who I could open up conversations with about mm. who would come on my podcast. And I'm the same, like, I don't want to be. I know how stupid it is, but someone messages me and says, hi, I'm so-and-so, would you like me to come on as a guest? And they've got a blue tick. It might be subconscious, but I'm going, oh, straight away, I'm interested. So the whole thing's, you know, I don't know what the answer is. we we'll would have to do another whole episode to talk about that. I want, right, we've got one minute, so I need you all to go through 10 seconds each, just telling us where
3: you want people to go and find you all yeah barnes, barnes you can, robert you question. go we'll do a twofer because barnes and i are at the same place
1: <laughs> ah you can get all the interesting content including hush hush videos and alternative theories about history and current events at viva dot beautiful
0: uh for
5: me you can see all my content on uh youtube uh, youtube.com slash ivory hacker um, for the deep dives on stuff that YouTube bans, it's unified.tv slash Ivory Hacker, unified with a Y. That's me.
4: For me, my podcast is Conversations with Coleman. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. That's Conversations with Coleman. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Cold man
2: got it i'm and i'm for everyone andrew gold on the edge with andrew gold podcast please follow all of us and definitely do support our wonderful guests it's been a great chat thank
3: you all so much for coming on what oh well wasn't it great it was great wasn't it i've been on my phone and i didn't realize you could see this little hippie daisy on my daughter's computer here <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> oh, i have some technical stuff going on here but uh it was great Andrew. thank you
2: Thank you so much again to producer Ash Meekle for putting that free speech round table on. He put it all together. I don't know what I would do without him. Thank you to Sean Atwood for letting me use this in my podcast. Uh, And thanks to Coleman Hughes, Viva Fry, Ivory Hecker and Robert Barnes for making this a fun and intriguing chat. Please do look them up, follow them all, do all the stuff that you do and and, uh, review this podcast and tell your friends about it. I'll see you guys in a couple of days with the world's.
3: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.